Canucks Central Tuesday. It's Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah in the Kintec studio. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintec.net. Lots to come on the program today. Irfan Gaffar going to join us at 4.30. Allison Lucan of Roots Sports to join us after 5 o'clock as we are down to the final four. Yes, the final four in the National Hockey League's Stanley Cup playoffs. It's the Southern Belt Stanley Cup playoffs now, Sat. Yes, uh, it is. It's uh, We're now at, at a point where we only have two games being played and never at the same time anymore. Yes. So it's one, getting kind of like the lights. By Thursday, one game a day. It's kind of light. I mean, uh, it's good when if they can stagger them with some of the NBA games too, so we have something every night. But you know, like tonight is is kind of a lonely night. Well, you got your Lake Show. Tonight. I got the Lakers. I got the Lakers. I'll take the Lakers. Yeah. But that's all we got. We'll have to get into that uh, a little bit later on as uh, you and Josh uh, are battling it out here between yeah. the Lakers, Lakers and are Nuggets. hot garbage. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> Great, great take there, Josh. LeBron is washed. Josh, not wearing, my goat. Josh is wearing a vintage Dikembe Mutombo Nuggets jersey today at the office. Is he actually? Yes. Wow. Okay, so I'm, um, you know, I'm at home. I'm working from home today. Yeah. Uh, so I can't see it. So he's actually. Is it like a, one of those like cheap replica ones? Or no, no, is no. It like a nice on. one. It's a good one. No, he found it at like the <laughs> finest vintage market you could possibly find. There's a sports jersey store in uh, Guilford Mall. That's oh. where I got it from. Ooh. Dikembe Mutombo. Last year, by the way. I didn't just pick it up yesterday. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, you know what? That That's great. Um, that that That's a nice throwback because that's when they were an eight seed and they, they won in the first round, too. They had the biggest upset for a while. So the Nuggets had something going for them. Um, I think the Nuggets can win the title, but we'll leave it for later. Okay. We won't do the NBA talk yeah, right now. This is a hockey show, ready. okay? Get it back on track, fellas. Some people are texting in already. I thought I tuned in to listen to Canucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about who the Canucks <laughs> might trade this offseason for the 75th time. Um, okay, kidding aside, though, uh, four teams remain in the Stanley Cup playoffs. It is the Dallas Stars and the Vegas Golden Knights in the Western Conference, the Carolina Hurricanes and the Florida Panthers. And I do want to go a little bit deeper than the whole, um, you know, no player making $10.1 million on their average annual value is left in the Stanley Cup playoffs because, to me, that means absolutely nothing. So you're saying as soon as the Canucks sign Elias Patterson this offseason, they're done. They have no chance yeah, of making it Yeah, winning a Stanley Cup round. is impossible. Right. Yeah. Not, 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 forget <laughs> winning a Stanley Cup. You're not getting past the second round. Yeah. Yeah. Colorado's dynasty's done because Nathan McKinnon's making twelve million next year. It's, it's, it's over. You can't. You can't do it. Well, that one might actually. I mean, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's other factors though. Not Nathan sure. McKinnon's salary. Not, it's, it's not his fault. No, yeah. it's not his fault. But all of a sudden, the Colorado Avalanche. But but I guess the upshot is they may have some cap space. But again, that's a different story for another day. <laughs> so the thing about these four teams and. Look, uh, they weren't exactly the favorites coming into the postseason, right? Carolina, for as good as their record was during the regular season, the thought was for many, their injuries were going to hold them back. And so not too many people predicting for the Her Carolina Hurricanes to even be a Final Four team, but they are. 
You have the Florida Panthers, who were President's Trophy winners last year, made a massive offseason move, acquired Matthew Kachuk, but there was an expectation that maybe it's going to be a tough turnaround for them. And it was. They barely made it into the postseason just by a point. They were the last wildcard team to get in there in the East, but have now found their way through, beating both Boston and Toronto, both series they were massive underdogs in. And here in the West, you have the Stars, who are a good team, uh, but weren't considered one of the true favorites in the West coming into the postseason. That was Colorado, Vegas, and Edmonton. Mm -hmm. And then there's Vegas, who was uh, the winner of the Pacific Division, fifth overall in the total standings. But even they were underdogs to the Edmonton Oilers going into this second round series. Um, so it's sort of interesting that we get here, and, and this is the collection of Final Four teams set. Yeah, and it's not quite what we had expected coming in. I would say, though, out West, I really thought this could be Edmonton's year getting out of the West. The only question we had was about goaltending, and goaltending ended up being a big issue for them. But even with that, you know, it, it was a pretty tight series, but give Vegas credit. I think Vegas, for all the talk about, you know, none of the top seeds being being around anymore, well, Vegas was the top seed in the West. Like, th th there is a number one seed still remaining. You know what I mean? So it's not like just this um, am amalgamation of these average teams and somehow finding a way to get this far. I mean, that's obviously a really good hockey team. And the Carolina Hurricanes, for all their injuries, I mean, they were a team that had the second-best record in the entire National Hockey League. So you still have two out of the top three teams in the, the entire standings still as a – like, I think for all the talk, like, out of the top four teams, we have two of them still in the playoffs. Yeah. Like, I think that's being kind of diminished here a little bit. But I think a lot of us didn't expect Carolina to get this far. And the thing that stands out to me more than anything for all these teams is something that we make a lot of fun of in Vancouver, and especially because there was a recent commercial and all we've heard over the past year is structure and playing together. But what do all four of these teams have in common? Really strong team game. Yeah. Strong team game. Uh, no cheating or very few <laughs> cheating moments in games from these teams. They all have strong decors, I think is, is another theme that you can look at from all of these, all of these squads. But I, I would say that this is something Vancouver has seriously overlooked or has had a very difficult time in building. And maybe because there's been a lot of turnover in the last couple of years, you know, after they went to that second round series against Vegas in the bubble. You know, there was a ton of turnover that offseason. It wasn't pretty. We know all the reasons. We've talked about them before. The North Division year was a disaster, partially because of those offseason moves. But all of the turnover they've had, whether it's coaches uh, in the front office, player personnel, I think that's had an effect on this team's ability to build any sort of a team ethos to build out, um, you know, and, and really identify specific players to play specific roles on the team. And that's been lacking because you look at through all of these rosters. Yeah, they have certain amount of depth, but they have guys that play roles for them and play them well. Mm -hmm. Right. And and that's just something, you know, despite the fact that Vancouver, you can say on paper, has some talent on their team, especially in their forward group. They just they've never been able to build any sort of a team game. They've never been able to build out roles for specific players through their lineup either. No, they haven't. And, and I think that's obviously something that's missing. And it goes beyond just, hey, these guys play a good team game and that's why they're this far. I mean, 
I think Carolina, I mean, sorry, the Florida Panthers are the biggest outlier, and I know they're a team that had a really good um, run last year, and they probably should have gotten more credit heading into the playoffs as a dangerous team than they did and all that, but it's still a, a real unexpected run to get this far, and I still just look at that team and say, okay, well, things kind of fell in place for them, and, and now they're finally getting goaltending, you know, and Bobrovsky's showing his $10 million form, and that's why all of a sudden, you know, you have a chance and, and you're you're finding yourself at, at this stage, but all these teams are also, they play really well defensively. Like, you look at the Carolina Blue, uh, Hurricanes, their blue line is really good for all their injuries and issues up front. And you've been banging this drum for a while now. Maybe we should be giving Brent Burns some more credit. And this yeah. is a player who's coming into a blue line, which already features um, guys like Jacob Slavin and, and you know Brady Shea, not to mention Joel Pesce, um, Brad Pesce, who's you know one of the more underrated defensemen in the league as well. So, I mean, that's a really stout blue line. And I know Jalen Chatfield gets a lot of the talk, but he's a number six. That's what he is on that team, yep. right? And that's what we're talking about here. So they have a great blue line. You look at the Vegas Golden Knights, their one advantage outside of you know goaltending being a wash was they probably have the two best defensemen in this series. And you saw Shea Theodore really play a huge role, especially when Petrangelo had that one-game suspension. So you start looking at the blue lines, you look at the team games, you look at the blue lines, you look at guys that can take over games, and you're like, that's the big story here for me. You need goaltending, and every single one of these teams is getting enough saves. But look at the blue lines and look at their top defensemen. And that's really the main story here outside of maybe the Florida Panthers. And even Brandon Montour, you can put into that category with the type of season he's had in the playoffs he's had. It's it's very apparent that all of the four teams are strong on the back end. And I would say the one that is, well, this is sort of, trying to stretch to make a Canucks sort of comp, but the one team that relies on one defenseman in the same way that the Canucks rely on Quinn Hughes is the Dallas stars with Miro Haskinen. But it goes without saying that Dallas still has a much better decor beyond their one stud than the Canucks have been able to build here in Vancouver, right? Like we'll see Haskinen. We've seen it already in these playoffs. We'll see it again against Vegas. He's going to play games where he's up maybe even over 30 minutes a night. Yeah. They really, really lean on him and spread the minutes out beyond him between their veterans like Suter and you know guys like Essa Lindell, who's not really been as good. We saw Edmonton really take advantage of the Lindell Hockenpah pairing. So, uh, sorry, Seattle take take advantage of that pairing. It's it, that that's the one team I would say that you can make the most Canucks comparables to. That's it's the Dallas Stars. I agree. I think it's the Stars. I mean, that's a team we talked about before as well. If you have to look at okay, what, if you're tr- looking at the high end of the best comparable for Vancouver, it would be the Dallas Stars, and also the whole idea of. That's a team that re- retooled on the fly when it looked like they are going to be in a lot of trouble, and a lot of it does come down to Jamie Benn having a big year. Tyler Sagan's not the same player he was, but one thing he's done really well is be a good forechecker, right? He's been a good defensive player. He's been you know, doing all the right things team-wise. So down the middle, they're strong because they're getting stuff from Jamie Benn. They're getting something from Tyler Sagan, right? And obviously we know Rupe hints at how good he's been. And then it's more about the little additions that they've made, right? Mason Marchmont. We see, look at a guy like Mikheyev. There's some similarities with stylistically and size and what they can bring and, and type of roles they can play, right? The back end is one of the underrated 
additions they made, but has been able to provide some added layers of depth and puck movement has been Colin Miller's play, right? Because he's come in and he's been a guy that can move the puck well for them. He mm-hmm. can, he can provide a little bit of power play time for them. He's used in a strategic way and he gives you some above average play. I see some similarities between Ethan Bear and Colin Miller. You know, I, I see some similarities there in terms of how they kind of play, but the big thing they've done in turning things around is getting a couple of young players into their lineup that played at a high level. One is Ty Delandria and the other one is Wyatt Johnson. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the template here. Can you find another defenseman? You know, the way they find found Suter, uh, you know, the year prior, he's been able to play at a 4-5 level, you know, uh, Hawk and Paws, whatever, but Colin Miller's given them a little something. Can you find one more defenseman? Can you get a couple of forwards? I mean, that's the closest template you can look at if you're trying to be idealistic and say, is there a roadmap to being like the Dallas Stars? Well, and and that's something I think, okay, we're not going to be able to find stud defensemen, or they don't come available very often, right? We know this. This is obvious for everyone to see, and it's sort of where the NHL has been for a while now. It's why the Canucks... When they found out Philip Peronik was going to be available, they went out and they got him. They're like, you know, this guy, this types of players just don't come available often. We know we need one. We're going to make this deal. Let's do it now. If you can't find that player, guys like a Colin Miller or a, a Brandon Montour in, in Florida who was mm-hmm. really poor in Anaheim, not much better in Buffalo before going to Florida – but what, what did he have as a common theme? He's a good puck mover, knows can play offense. And in this league, um, right now, the, the best offense at times can be just getting the puck out of your own end. And what did we see, especially from Edmonton and Toronto, one of their big downfalls was being unable, their defense core being unable to deal with the forecheck mm-hmm. well. And so I, I think if there's – if we're making concessions on the type of defenseman that we want to acquire, it's probably, am I willing to sacrifice a little bit of awareness on in-zone defending for another guy that can really move the puck well out of our zone? Yeah, and I'm You can't do sh- it as a blanket sort of ideology, no. but you know, sometimes that, that's the type of concession you have to make. Yeah, and, and I wonder, though, like, is that a concession you almost have to make with OEL and him being on this team. Right. You know, for his position. You know, and I think that's kind of the issue here when we look at this roster, right? And it's like, you know, Raymond says if the Dallas Stars are the high end comparison, then the Canucks aren't winning any Stanley Cups. And I think we're looking at it for, you know, for next year in terms of you're trying to be idealistic and say, hey, what if the Canucks add another forward? What if they add another defenseman? You know, what can they do? And it's like, okay, well, if things really fall, then, you know, that's kind of what you can look at. But yeah. you're still, I mean, realistically, you're a year away. I mean, you're if you can make the playoffs next year, okay, great. That that's a step forward. But then you still need to keep adding and, and making the types of moves you need to make to get into the contender status. You still have to make take a couple steps to get there, right? And you can look at it from Dallas Stars' perspective and say, well, they got to the Cup final, missed the playoffs the next year, and last season they made the playoffs, made a few moves, made some more moves this year, and look at them. It took them two years, but now look at where they are, right? Like they're kind of right there, and they have a chance. Like not only. You know, are they a team that could get to the cup final, Dan? I mean, they could win the cup. Like, I don't, you know, and obviously they're final four team here, but you know how oftentimes we say, hey, here's a team that's in the final four, but 
let's be real. Even if they get to the cup final, they're not going to win it. The Stars could, not easily, but they could certainly win the Stanley Cup no matter who they face out of the East. Yeah. And if you can be in a position like that at some point where your Final Four team that could legitimately win the Stanley Cup, well, then you're knocking on the door. But it still takes a couple years. And even if we look at Dallas and look at where Vancouver is today, for you to be a far, you know, for you to idealistically be where Dallas is, we're still talking about two years to get there. The, the, the other problem with um, Dallas as a comp is the amount of draft success they've had. And is how, how repeatable is that really, right? They had not only, like when they got Haskinen, they had luck in the lottery to move up yes. in the lottery. And the lottery does not work the same as it did when they got Haskinen. They made the changes. So now you can either move up 10 spots or you can uh, move into potentially the top three. But beyond that, doesn't really happen. Uh, Dallas moved into that third spot that year from, I can't remember exactly where they were, but they moved up quite a bit uh, to draft Miro Haskinen at third overall in that draft, the 2017 draft where the Canucks got Elias Pettersson. You know, then you think about that same draft, they get Robertson in the second round, they get Ottinger later on uh, in the first round as well. You know, like t- to have that amount of success in one draft is it's not unprecedented because we've seen it happen a couple of times. You think back to like some of those Detroit drafts and what was it? 89 uh, or 90. Just unbelievable. They got like five star players out of that draft, but it's not really repeatable. It's not replicable. Even, you know, guys like Wyatt Johnston playing as quickly as he is in the NHL at the level that he is at 20 years old, being a later first round draft choice. Like those guys don't grow on trees. That very rarely happens where a player like that is able to make it and play as an impact level so quickly into the NHL from when they were drafted. Well, absolutely. And, I mean, the draft part's one side of it. And I think through the draft, you can actually talk yourself into there being some parallels here. I mean, Wyatt Johnson was terrific this year, and we'll see ultimately what his ceiling is. I'm not sure Vancouver has a Wyatt Johnson knocking on the door, right? You know, now, whether it put Colson or Hoaglander, if they hit next season and give you – you know, legitimate top nine type of contributions and it can help you out. Well, now you're approximating that a little bit. And I think with Sagan, you know, you look at some of the other guys in your roster, whether it's a Connor Garland or whether it's Pavilion, you can look at it and say, okay, approximate value. There's some things here that we can kind of compare. But the Canucks right now have what? Three high-end scorers. Pedersen, mm-hmm. that's your Jason Robertson. Yeah. Your Rupe Hints right now is what? JT Miller. Right, yep. because he's your second best, you know, forward. And Andre Kuzmenko is kind of your Joe Pavelski, let's say, right? Or let's say Jamie Ben. But they have four guys, or had four guys this year, forwards who are at seventy-five or more points. Who's your fourth forward? This is what we talk about too with Vancouver. We can talk about the, the for- defenseman, sure. Add, add a defenseman, add a little depth. You know, Wyatt Johnson here, and another Ty Delandria kind of guy here in your third line, and add add a little bit. But where's that next level player? Where's that next star type of forward that all of a sudden now it puts you into contender status? So you can get the, I think you can get somebody that gives you some Wyatt Johnson play. You can give you some Ty DeLandria play a little bit. Maybe you find your Colin Miller right, or maybe you find your Ryan Suter uh, comparable. Where are you getting that forward, though? And that's what we talked about the other day or last week. 
now that you didn't win the lottery, you're not going to have that player airdropped into your lineup next year with Connor Bedard, Fentilli, or Leo Carlson, right? Yeah. So how are you going to find that guy? How are you going to find your fourth needle-moving forward, star type of forward? Kind of have to wait for that player to become available. It's uh, It's got to continue to be Andre Kuzmenko, and there you have three, and you need a serious, like, if you're thinking about it, because, again, we can't really live in a world where the Canucks are making any sort of big acquisition with their cap situation. You got to really hope for a big bounce back from Brock Besser. Can he be that guy? I don't know if can he can he... be a 75, 75-ish point guy, but he, I know he can be a 60-plus point guy. But they kind of need they need they need another forward here, to, to, and it doesn't have to be points. It's about moving the needle, right? right Having the type yeah. of impact we're talking about in terms of, yeah, like a top, like a legitimate top line type of forward. If you're not a first line guy, you're like knocking on that door. Because every single team, and we've seen it in Vancouver, go back to even '94 and the team that made the Cup run. Look at their forwards. Yeah. Look at the guys they had, and you're still missing another guy. Now you can be close and knock on the door and be a bubble team. You could be like the Seattle Kraken. Mm-hmm. Right, you could be like the Kraken, but like the Kraken won two rounds, and unless they find a star or two, what's to say Vancouver doesn't finish above them next season? It's a possibility. Yeah, it's a possibility Calgary jumps over them next season because they they're lacking in stars. Uh, and um, for Dallas, you know, like you see some of that depth with Vegas too. Uh, I think you know Jack Eichel had close to a point per game, but ended up with sixty-ish points. They, they had a ton of guys that they, they just got a lot of contributions. They didn't have yeah. really one great standout player, but they had a pretty even team. They spread out the scoring quite a bit. And that's uh, the one thing that is different a little bit about Vegas than it is to some of these other teams. Although I guess you could categorize Carolina's that way too. Uh, Amar on Twitter with this thought, these teams have it all speed, hard to play against skill, depth, goaltending, chemistry now uh, goaltending is not something we would have uh, said Florida has prior to the postseason and you know one thing about that is and and the whole idea of postseason scoring and how do you translate regular season scoring into postseason scoring the Maple Leafs are a perfect example and Justin Bourne has done a a pretty good post-mortem on the Leafs at sportsnet.ca where he highlights you know, how Leafs players get to the net in the regular season but don't get to the net and get their slot shots, inner slot shots during the postseason. So it's not just about finding guys that can do it in the regular season. The Canucks need more of those because they haven't been to the playoffs in a while. But then also, you know, finding guys that, you know, their skills translate to the tighter game of the postseason as well. So it's not – it's not a black and white conversation. It rarely is when it comes to team building. Absolutely not. I mean, and you have to be patient with players too. And it's funny to me that the player that they put the most capital in acquiring the Dallas Stars, that is, over the past two years, is a player who they're barely playing in the postseason. And that's Niels Lindquist. And that's not to say that Niels Lindquist can't take a step and become a better player. He can, like he has a lot of talent. But it also goes back to what you just mentioned. You need to have talented hockey players, but your players also need to be able to take a regular shift in the playoffs. Yeah, and and perhaps for Linquist as part of the process here, he's a young player, first year, he's a regular and everything, and he had some nice moments early in the season and has a lot of potential still. And maybe he becomes that guy because we even saw Latang when he was a young defenseman getting healthy scratch in the playoffs at times. It happens, and you can get better, you can grow, and and all that. But 
if you can't play playoff hockey, it doesn't matter what you can do, right? Like, you're not going to play in the important times in the postseason. Um, this text comes in. One of the things that these teams all have in common, no state tax. Yes, uh, that, that might be helps with why they yeah. aren't paying anybody uh, more than uh, $10.1 million on the average annual value. Yeah, I mean, it, it plays a part. You yeah. know, I, I'm sure it does. Uh, Joe Dollywall on Twitter says, Canucks did have one good draft. McCann, Demko, and Forsling. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> At least one of them's still in the organization. Yeah, true that. Uh, it's Dan Richo and Satyar Shah. It is Canucks Central coming up. Irfan Gaffar is going to join us. His take on uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs and uh, what he's hearing on the Canucks as we continue to figure out where this offseason is headed. That's next on Canucks Central. Get smarter when you listen to Hockey Talk, the Hockey PDO cast with Dmitry Filipovich. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Canuck Central in the Kintec studio. Dan Richo, Satyar Shaw. Irfan Gaffar going to join us in a couple of moments. But, uh, Sat, today, uh, Jonathan Lekromacki getting uh, set up with uh, Orebro. Yeah, Orebro. Orebro. <laughs> <laughs> not bad, not bad. I, I tried. Yeah. You know, I tried. Yeah, good. good. Nice, ni- nicely done. Yeah, and these deals are pretty standard. Lekromacki has already signed an entry-level contract with the Vancouver Canucks. So what that means is that they own his rights, and this is an agreement that includes the Vancouver Canucks, so that means at any point if he wants to leave, he can. So it doesn't mean he has to stay both years in Erbro, but that's where his rights are for the next two years. Uh, at least one more year in Sweden, but uh, yeah. we'll see from there with uh, the Canucks' top prospect, Jonathan Lekromacki, their first-round pick from last year. The Canucks also just announced that uh, Alex Trinka has been named Director of Sport Performance to lead the club's Human Performance Department Trinka replaces Brian Marshall, who has uh, decided to move on after 14 seasons with the Canucks in a variety of roles. And he comes over from uh, Alex Trinka does come over from the Pittsburgh Penguins. So Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin plucking another one of their former colleagues with the Pittsburgh Penguins and adding them to the Canucks organization. It's Dan Richo, Satyar Shah. We are Canucks Central. Let's bring in our next guest. Getting ready for the Lakers tonight, it's Irfan Gaffar of the fourth period and Canucks Insider. What's happening? What's going on, fellas? Absolutely getting ready for the Lakers tonight. Uh, I'm stressed, man. I mean, honestly, like, hey, I want the Lakers to win, always. Um, I think that the Nuggets are really good, and I don't want the Lakers ever to lose, but I wouldn't be as upset if they lost to the Nuggets as I would against pretty much any other team. Yeah, beating Golden State, like, I was – it wasn't Everest, but it was up there for me for the Lakers <laughs> this year. I mean, they weren't supposed to be anywhere near this, this playoff um, – these playoffs. But, I mean, like you mentioned, obviously Denver, when Joker's on the floor, he's the best player. And yeah. it's, it's unreal. The guy's just absolutely filthy. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I probably have Denver in like six, but I'd be pleasantly surprised if, if the Lakers went on to the NBA finals. Uh, it's, it should be a fun one. And we, uh, we have the whole night to just focus on, uh, 
on that with the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs taking a bit of a hiatus for a couple of days before the conference yeah. finals begin on on Thursday. Before we uh, we get into the Stanley Cup playoffs, um, the Athletic just put out their offseason trade board. Uh, I guess their version of the trade bait list or the trade targets list or whatever you want to call it that pretty much everybody does now. Um, that's what two days. That's what two days of the NHL being dark will do. Yes, exactly. Trade speculation. Let's go. Um, there's a couple of Canucks on the list: Brock Besser and Connor Garland. I mean, it's not anybody's uh, you know breaking any state secrets here. It's sort of the most obvious thing: the Canucks have to move one of these players or most likely have to move one of these players, given their cap situation? Well, they're going to try and move one of those players, if not him. And some, I think the more surprising thing is that JT Miller's name is not on that board. Uh, he's an honorable mention. He's an honorable <laughs> yeah. mention. Well, I mean, for all – I mean, for they, everything that – You know what? The league saw play. how he performed in this qualifying, U.S. Open qualifying. They were like, yeah, you oh, know what? I had a great – I don't know if he's got it. Doesn't can't, can't keep his composure in big moments, you know, that type of thing. It's true. He was seven under during the regular season as an NHLer, but I don't know if that's good enough for, you know, I think it's the opposite um, in hockey. <laughs> yeah. I think it's the opposite in hockey. Right. I don't know. Look, I think that those are the two obvious names. Like if you go by process of elimination, we've done it all year for the last two years. We're going to do it again. OEL is going to be very, very, very difficult to move. Don't think he's waving. Um, he's probably going to be here for a while. A guy like JT Miller. I don't think anyone's going to take that contract and they probably are going to want to replace the center, which is also going to be very, very, very difficult to do. So that leaves you with guys like Brock Besser. You don't know the future of Tanner Pearson, obviously, if he's ever going to play again. Um, and a guy like Connor Garland, whom they both tried to move. Mm-hmm. Um, Brock obviously didn't get moved, and neither did Garland. And as you go into the next season and, and, and in the summer here, um, are they willing or is there some sort of way that the Canucks are willing to retain salary? I still don't think a team wants Brock Besser at six point, you know, six five million dollars, I think that Brock Besser at five million dollars would be a big pickup for a lot of teams. I just think that that's going to be the difficult one to move. So you look at the other one, and it's Connor Garland, and you know, teams are looking at him and probably saying, okay, you know, we could we could cut the check for him for another couple of years, and he could and he could definitely be a service to us. But I mean, obviously, it's just speculation and everything, and we'll definitely see what happens here over the course of the summer. Yeah, and I mean, there's been a lot of discussions about the Canucks trying to dump salary, which is obviously if you can, you'd love to do it. Now, is that ultimately what they will have to end up doing? And isn't the more likely Avenue trying to make some deals here? Like we talked about before, but if you're moving Garland, if you're moving Besser, can you get a forward or a defenseman back in return? Is that something that's maybe more realistic and what they would maybe explore more deeply once we get to the off season here? That too, but if you're trying to shed salary and you're trading those guys, I'm sure another team's going to be like, okay, well, if we take some money off your books, you're probably going to have to return the favor here a little bit. So they're going to have to get creative in the way that they're going to try and create cap space here over the next several months and, and into the summer and after free agency and once it quiets down and into trading cap, right? They're, they're, Patrick Alvin and, and his staff is, are going to have to get very, very, very creative because, you know, as, as it knows, like what, they're – Already over the cap, we haven't even already over the cap for next season. They're the one of the one of the few teams that's that's over the cap already right now. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it's it's a big summer for them, not only to try and make things work, you know, on the books, but also to try and improve your hockey team. And you got to do both of those things and figure out a way to do it. That's a pretty difficult job. 
Let, let's just uh, live in a world where the Canucks are able to open up a little bit of cap space and make an addition. What do you think Patrick Alvin wants to add? Is it wants to add more, I should say, a third line center or another defenseman? I'd probably start with a defenseman. Yeah. And then I'd move into your depth. Um, but you should be able, like the Canucks should be able to find guys, whether it's, you know, through, through the college free agency period, through, through, you know, free agents that are available. There's, there's a lot of guys with a lot of skill that are playing hockey that you can get for under a million dollars, guys that are 850 grand or 900,000. Look at guys that are playing on teams right now that are third and fourth liners that are making an impact night in and night out on, on, uh, for, for their current team. So it's the scouting it's, it's being able to evaluate talent. It's going to be able to find these guys and talk to them and, and get them out from wherever they may be playing, whether it's over in Europe, um, Russia, or, you know, or it's a college free agent. And, and for, for the Canucks, I think that's the important thing. It's to be able to find these guys that are value hockey players that can make contributions that you're not paying $2 million bucks or a million bucks to or, or, or $3 million to, to play on your third and fourth lines and second and third defense or, or third defensive pairings. I think that's that's the more realistic thing that the Canucks should try and do, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think what the Van- what Vancouver would love to do is shed the salary and see if they can add some cheap players where they can. But I'm just not yeah. sure that's going to be in the cards for them, ultimately speaking, right? And for as much as we're talking about these players, do you think when we hear Alvin say they think there's more there in Besser and that they're 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 okay with trying it again that they mean it or are they really eager to get off that contract well i think it's well i think you believe in the player right you don't want to basically i mean i know he called him out saying he's got to come and be show up a little bit more focused and the big off season for him and this and that i mean you obviously still believe in him as a player because if you're completely out on him and you, and you leave him hanging and you don't trade him then you have a player coming into a bad situation right you probably have a player that's one foot out the door before he even gets to Vancouver. And that's tough. And you don't want that, especially for a guy like Brock. Right. So, you know, you, you hope he goes out and he, and he has a good summer of working out and, and staying in shape and, and being NHL ready by the time training camp starts. And, you know, hopefully the everything good happens for him and, and he's goes out and he gets off to a really good start. You know, he scores a bunch of goals in the first couple of months of the season and maybe around say if in October, November, December, January, when the trade deadline comes around next year, you know, he's a commodity for hockey teams. And that's what you hope if you're the Canucks, unless you can get rid of him this summer. But I just don't think that that's going to, I just don't think that that's going to be in the cards for them. Yeah. And it's, um, I mean, it's so hard to think about what exactly the Canucks can do or are going to do until uh, they figure out their cap situation themselves, because uh, it's uh, still a little bit messy on, on that front. And now that we're down to the final four, we have a couple of more teams exiting the Stanley cup playoffs and, the two teams that were the Vegas favorites going into the second round, the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Edmonton Oilers, are both out. Uh, where do you think there's more change coming from, Toronto or Edmonton this offseason? Is the answer obvious? Oh, wow. I think Toronto's could be more front office changes or behind the bench changes. Mm. Yeah. Right? And what are they going to do with Austin Matthews? I mean, William Nylander takes crap from absolutely everybody, but he's been their best player in the last three playoffs. Yep. Statistically. So, Matthews hasn't scored a goal in an elimination game since their, their first playoff against Washington. Well, that's what I mean. Like, I mean, you want – I no, don't disrespect those players. They're excellent hockey players. And yeah. Then obviously, Matthews is unbelievable. But 
you want your guys to show up when it means when it when it matters the most. I mean, Mitch Marner was a ghost too. And then on the other side, you look at the depth of the Edmonton Oilers, and that's basically what hurt them because that was something that was so good for them all season long. And last year in the playoffs, you had Evander Kane scoring goals, you had Zach Hyman scoring goals, you had contributions from guys like Nuge um, that were helping Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. You can't have Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl playing 25, 26 minutes a night every single night. That just can't happen if you're the Oilers. You also have Darnell Nurse at $9.5 million till the next 15 years or whatever his contract is. That's not a good one. You probably want another defenseman. I mean, I know they have Edholm, but you've got to improve there. And the goaltending, if you're the Leafs, or sorry, if you're, if you're the Oilers, is, is the one problem that you have to address. So I think there's going to be changes 100% on both ends. Um, it sucks not to see one of them make it to the conference finals. I think that would have been uh, huge. Obviously, the Oilers regress because they made it last year. But, you know, for the Leafs, you know, you win one in the second round. And I think it's all kind of forgotten of what their big accomplishment was making it to the second round because of the way that they went out. Well, and, and then, you know, the ultimate question is who's going to be the person making decisions? Because yeah. when we're looking at Nylander and even Mitch Marner's name out there and Matthews obviously wants to stay and I think they'll get that done because he's a superstar and, you know, you don't let that go no matter what. But it ultimately depends on who's making that decision. And everything we heard from Kyle Dubas, hey, it seemed like it was genuine and all that, like family stuff and, and everything. But does it really come down to paying him as much money as possible now considering he wanted to get something done before and they didn't get it done? For Matthews? You know, for, uh, for, oh, for bringing Dubas? Dubas back. Yeah, bringing Dubas back. Yeah. Like, you know, does it come down to like, hey, hey I, I, just make him the biggest offer possible? I wonder what his relationship with Brendan Shanahan's really like. Right? Because Shanahan's the one that probably has a lot. I mean, I know Dubas is the general manager, and he's the one that we see every single day in front of the cameras. But I wonder what that relationship's like in, in Toronto between those two. Um, whether Brendan Shanahan feels like they need a more of a veteran type of voice as general manager and someone that can go out and, and maybe attack their game plan or, or attack the way that the roster's formed in, in, in a different way. But I think what Kyle Dubas for that team, what he did this, this, this season to give Sheldon Keefe all the tools that he was able to do, did a fantastic job and they just laid an egg. And that goes on your superstars. That goes on your coaching staff. That goes on every, all, all the people that, you know, we're getting ready to, to, to make the players play. I don't think this one's really on the GM. I think this one's more on the coaches and the players. Yeah, there, there was a, a couple of things there. You know, I think they, they just, quite simply, you know, they got a little high on themselves after finally beating Tampa and getting to the second yeah. round and didn't recover fast enough in order to, to recalibrate in that series. And then the second thing was keeping Marner and Matthews together for the entirety of that series. I mean, Marner was just not good. And yeah. it kind of took away from Matthews, too. So coaching, you know, like I, I think about the Washington Capitals and when they finally got Barry Trotz in there, it changed a lot of things. You know, that's that's probably the route to go for for some of these teams. Uh, maybe Toronto goes goes that way with their coach as well. Um as far as uh, the Seattle Kraken go, they're, they're out of the postseason as well now. You know, pretty uh, pretty great run for them. I don't think a ton of us really expected them to get to the second round, especially after where they were in their first season. Do we just look at them as, you know, sort of a, a fluke, or are they something the Canucks now have to worry about in the Pacific Division moving forward? I think the Canucks have to worry about everyone in the Pacific Division. Yeah. To be honest, right? And then so does everyone else. And the Kraken are for real, right? They proved they, they, had, a, they had a pretty good – they had a – pretty good regular season they go into the playoffs you end up winning your first round series and then you lose in seven games to the dallas stars 
like which is also a pretty pretty good hockey team. I mean, you had a team which I kind of like it's Vegas his first year, you know, the Misfits. Where no one wanted them, mm-hmm. so they're all out there playing well. You guys, guys like Jared McCann, who had an unbelievable season. Obviously, is the the concussion injury and him not being available for as long as he would hurt them a bit. Um, guys like Yanni Gord, um, they, you know, obviously proven pedigree and, and Stanley Cup experience. Um, that 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 team is going to be pretty good for a while. And then obviously their their goaltender Philip Grubauer, who who played with a chip on his shoulder the entire playoffs and was fantastic. You know, two costly mistakes from his team cost them the series, right? You know, Alexiak, the giveaway to arguably the Conn Smythe favorite right now should be Rupe Hint mm-hmm. and Bobrovsky. But you get a couple mistakes and they end up in the back of your net, and, and then that's basically the game. So uh, if I'm a Kraken fan, I'm excited about the future of my team. Uh, if I'm a Canucks fan, I'm hoping my team can try and get some of the depth that they have on their team that proves that they can play night in and night out. Yeah, and I mean, that's the type of depth that you're looking for, right? And, you know, somebody's Dex just texted in. Any thoughts on Nick Bukestad as a third-line center? Cheap, big, right-hand, you know, centerman. And, you know, and I look at Edmonton, for instance. That's a team that looked... The only thing that got in their way was getting saves. And I know McDavid had a yeah. couple moments and dry saddle a little bit, but they get a few more saves. At least there was a game seven potentially, and, and who knows. But that's a team that has a lot of depth. That's a player that could make sense for Vancouver as well, Bukestad. But where do you see a team like Edmonton going after a season like this? Like, how much more aggressive do you think they can be, or do they just kind of hold firm here? You got three years left to Connor and two years left to Leon, I think, on their deals. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously they, they, they say all the right things and, and they, they want to be there and, and, and they should, but you got to help them out, right? You got to probably find them a real starting goalie and make that investment. And, and, and if you have to trade, you know, um, a lot of assets to, to acquire one or, or what have you, you, you go and do it because that, that's trouble for them. And I mean, Ekholm's obviously was a very, very good addition to that team, but I think you need another defenseman, maybe two. Um, on that blue line to help just try and shore things up. And, and again, it's, it, it was the depth that hurt them. I mean, Vegas was just deep. They were big. They were fast. They were stronger. They were physical. They were all over them, right? And they didn't have contributions from their superstars every single night. It wasn't guys like Jack, Jack Hughes and, and, and Mark Stone leading the way every night. It was guys like Jonathan Marcheseau and then guys like William Carlton, who the first year in the Vegas Golden Knights, he, had a 40, he, was, he was a 40-goal guy. We were talking about them back then, and then they – you know, have this sort of resurgence where they're the top guys again. So it's that kind of depth that you need you need to go out and find it. You know, uh, with Vegas, Jack Eichel, I know, like he didn't have a ton of points this year, and no. people weren't really talking about him too much. All of a sudden here in the postseason, what do you have, like nine points in that series against Edmonton? Yeah. He was an yeah. absolute monster. Didn't really lose too many shifts when he was out there. I mean, I think – we've kind of forgotten about him as a top 10 center in the league. That series against Edmonton kind of reminded everybody of how good he can be. Yeah. I think I a hundred percent think he's a top 10, top 10 center in the league. Um, I think even when he was a member of the Buffalo Sabres, he was too. It's just that nobody watched and nobody cared about them to be yeah. honest. Now, now he's on a team. Well, we always wondered how he was going to respond after the, the significant surgery. Right. And it's taken him yeah. some time, but I mean, he's back, but yeah, he's unreal. And, he, and he's playing well. Also, Vegas now, Canada's team. They have the most Canadians on their roster. <laughs> Somebody's got to be Canada's team. May, as, build, may yeah. as well be Vegas. May as well be Vegas. Why not? Right? <laughs> um, 
you know, looking at a team that missed the playoffs, the Calgary Flames, I, I, we have to bring this up with you with uh, what's going on with, with uh, Brad Tree Living. So Pierre Lebrun and others have reported now that the Calgary Flames have denied permission to the Pittsburgh Penguins to talk to Brad Trade Living, saying, hey, you want to talk to him? You can speak to him when his contract runs out on June 30th. Considering they mutually agreed not to, you know, come back and whatever, and he's essentially going to be a free agent in, in just over a month's time, what do you make of that? It's weird. I, I really do think it's weird. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't they? Right? I've heard I, I've I, heard people say I've heard people say like Hey, listen, he has Calgary's draft list, and because he has dra- Calgary's draft list, and he knows all the inner workings, and they're close in the draft. You know, that's the reason why. Number one, I've seen Pinder and others mention their draft list hasn't been finalized. At least wasn't finalized by the time Trey Living left, and we see GMs leave or AGMs leave organizations all the time this time of year and go before drafts and work. So that excuse doesn't add up to me. No, I agree. Uh, I, I, that's just crazy to me. I just don't think that why wouldn't you, if you're, they don't like Brad Tree Living did, gave everything he tried to do for that organization to try and improve it and, and make it to the, to obviously to be successful and make it to the conference finals and obviously compete for a Stanley Cup, but not giving a team permission to speak to him is a little bizarre. It just doesn't make, it just doesn't make sense. Like, I like the draft list thing. Like, do people really, really care? Like, I, I don't really understand. You know what I mean? Like, Calgary's picking 16th. Yeah, it's. Right? Uh, <laughs> I just it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, and, and you know usually teams. If you're, if you're not drafting in like top one, two, three, what are you like? What are you really, really, really worried about? Yeah, I, I guess guys that they're interested in, and you're never going to play them. Yeah, the the one thing is Pittsburgh is drafting 14th, you know, two spots ahead against uh, over Calgary, but you play them twice a year. Yeah, if you're really that worried, like I just I don't get that. It doesn't make any sense. Really doesn't make a ton of sense, um, especially since you know his, his he's, he's no longer the Calgary Flames GM. Just yeah, expiring. Unless they're bringing him back, which that's not going to happen. No, it's not. It's uh, it's a strange. Well, wait, one. wait. Maybe they're trying to convince him. Maybe this is their way of being oh, like, listen, Brad, listen, maybe, we we fired Daryl. We, we're sorry we didn't listen to you. We know Daryl wanted out. We I know you said Daryl shouldn't stay. We see we made a mistake. Please come back to us. Please, we'll be different this time. Maybe that's what it is. Like they're they're crashing their ex's dates and being like, no, you can't do this. You got to come back. Yeah, I, I'm not entirely sure that they really want to do that. And if you do that, that's a really bad look. But I mean, who's going to coach that team too? Yeah, they're yeah. paying a guy eight million bucks for the next two years to not coach. You assume it's got to be a guy that's not going to want a lot of money. So it's is he a guy that's you know coaching the Wranglers right now? Is it Mitch Love? I think. Mm-hmm. Um, is it going to is he going to be the guy after once their season's over? I get to promotion or is it someone that you know maybe that's currently on their staff? Well, we should see. Uh, so who you got in the PGA this weekend? Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm. Why you just look at the favorite board and ask me? I mean, Come that's on, what that... a little bit deep. <laughs> John Rom little... won the Masters, so it seems like a pretty yeah, good bet to me. A little deeper than that. A little deeper than that. I don't know. I, I think I like. Uh... Don't tell I me like you're Tom going Hoffman. with uh, a live guy. Like, like you can't Hoffman. be going like Phil Hoff... Mickelson here. Oh God, no! I like Hovland. Yeah. I don't mind Fee. I don't mind Fee now. Played obviously won a tournament a little while ago. I mean, if Patrick Cantley gets into the final grouping on Sunday, this is going to end in November of next year. <laughs> So let's hope that doesn't happen. Um, I always want to see a guy like Max Homa do well. Yeah, fun I just don't guy. Know if, like they, some of those guys. Yeah, I don't know if those guys have like killer instinct for a major to move on moving day and then be there and be ready on Sundays. But 
Yeah, I think if I'm going, I'm going Hovland. Uh, all right. It should be a good one this weekend at Oak Hill. Uh, Irf, always appreciate the time. All right, guys. Be well. Uh, there he is, Irfan Gafar, joining us uh, here on Canuck Central. No yeah, JT Miller in the PGA this weekend. I know, it's too the, bad. Or at the U.S. Open later on this summer. Yeah, well, it's too bad. It would have been a great story. <laughs> I mean, like we, we were talking about this. Uh, we went to play golf last week, and we were driving yeah. back, and we were talking about how rare is it for a current athlete, like a current star athlete in a sport, to actually qualify for an event like this. And like the only person we could come up off, off the top of our mind was what Tony Romo. Yeah. I think Romo has been in, in some of these events, but even just to like be in the qualifier is, is an accomplishment, right? Yeah, now, dude, you gotta uh, be really good. <laughs> the, the pessimist in, in, in a lot of our listeners is going to be like, well, if the Canucks were in the playoffs, he wouldn't, he wouldn't, he wouldn't even be able to do this sort of thing. It's like, that, that's also true, but they he's had a lot been. of time to work on his game. <laughs> it's true. Yes. He's had, he's had extra time to work on his game. Um, but you know, still pretty damn impressive. Like seriously, yeah, to man. to get there and uh, there's uh, no hating it. Like for me, like it's it's done. I mean, I've seen people talk about like should he be doing this? As long as you get your training in, yeah, like, you can do a few things <laughs> at the same time. It's okay. I just wonder, like, why? It, I mean, I'm playing more golf lately, but I just get worse every round. So that's. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way it works for us lay yeah. people yes we get worse the more we play not better i got the yips out there it's bad gotta take a load management break yeah i think so need to need, need to get like the call map and just like start meditating so that i can stay focused on the golf course or Anyways. take tips from josh he's been crushing the ball like, yeah, even well, even canberra was hitting balls well the other day i don't want to get into all the rounds that i'm losing <laughs> lately Hey, at least you were playing with me, and I was I was decidedly <laughs> the worst golfer out there. Oh, man, tough. Tough look out there. Uh, all right, Allison Lucan is going to join us. Root Sports, uh, the Seattle Kraken. What was this year all about? What was behind it? And where is their next step? That's next on Canuck Central.